Welcome to the Be Great 8-Man Football Coaching Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the 8-Man Football Coaching community. I'm your host, Scott McCarty. Here we discuss scheme, program building, team culture, and building and spreading the game of 8-Man Football. This podcast is brought to you by Anywhere Apparel. Are you looking for custom screen printed and embroidered gear for your team, coaches, and fans? Contact Anywhere Apparel. That's Anywhere, A-N-Y-W-E-A-R Apparel. We have access to all the great brands and items that will have your team looking their best. We are a locally owned small business that works with teams, businesses, and individuals. Next time you need custom apparel, make Anywhere Apparel your go-to. Contact Anywhere Apparel at art.anywhereapp at gmail.com. That's A-R-T dot A-N-Y-W-E-A-R-A-P-P at gmail.com or on the phone at 319-385-1763. Please help me welcome Coach Philip Dean to the podcast today. Coach Dean comes to us from Drexel in Missouri. Coach Dean is going to his fourth year at Drexel. Before Drexel, he was the head coach at Miami in Missouri, who now co-ops with Drexel, and they made the state semis in 2009 and 2010. In his first three years, he has turned Drexel into a powerhouse. They've compiled a 35-4 and record in his three seasons. They were state semifinalists in 2019, 2020, and broke through with the state championship in 2021. Coach Dean has touted a top two defense in Missouri eight-man for the last three seasons as well. He has earned the Cass County Coach of the Year Award the last three seasons and was named the Missouri eight-man Coach of the Year this past season. In addition to those accomplishments, he has had players that have responded to his defensive coaching. In 2019, he had a player with seven interceptions in a season, which was fifth in all classes in Missouri. In 2020, the same kid had eight interceptions, which was second in all classes in Missouri football and 34th in the nation. His team had 17 interceptions. This past season, a different player had seven interceptions, third in all classes in Missouri, and his team had 22 interceptions, which was good enough for second in all classes. Kind of makes me wonder when Missouri is going to learn that you can't throw against the Drexel Bobcats. Not only is Drexel's defense very stingy, they were number two scoring offense in the nation in all 11 and eight man. Well, as we got some learning to do here with Coach Dean, please help me in welcoming Coach Dean to the Be Great podcast. Coach, thanks for coming on. Boy, I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, what an intro uh, as, a, as a coach, uh, having to give presentations for Glazier or being on other podcasts. They kind of read through your history there, and um, it's hard to, to hide during that time. Uh, you're in the spotlight. Your accomplishments are in the spotlight. Uh, I would never introduce myself like that, so uh, I appreciate you uh, doing that for me. But, you know, I, I want to thank I want to thank you. Uh, what an awesome resource this podcast is. Uh, it is a must listen for me. I'm taking notes along there with you and uh, I'm getting better. So I'm extremely thankful uh, for this podcast and having the opportunity to uh, get on here. And I just hope uh, maybe someone listens to it, but <laughs> most yeah. people will. Uh, probably most of Missouri eight man will listen to it to tell me to shut up. So yeah, you might right. get a lot of those responses. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, you know, it was just one of those kind of bred out of, uh, you know, during uh, COVID, you know, you'd go for a walk. That's about all you had to do was go on walks. And I would listen to eight man Academy. Um, and he kind of, he got busy in his personal life and in, in job changes and kind of disappeared. And, you know, I like listening to coaching coordinator and, and the Joe Daniels, but there's nothing really eight man tailored. And so there's kind of a void. And, and like you said, you get to learn from football coaches. I've watched so much more film and, you know, pick some things up for our kids. And 
we kind of changed our offense based on talking to some guys. So, um, you know, I appreciate it. And this is, it's been an absolute blast, but let's talk a little bit here um, about your football background and your coaching journey and how you got to where you are now. For sure. Um, start off, I, I coach at Drexel currently, and uh, that's where I grew up. I played my uh, elementary through high school ball at Drexel. Um, I'm a smaller guy myself, 5'8", uh, in high school, about 185 pounds. Uh, and uh, at that time, Drexel played 11-man. Uh, of course, we played Ironman football, uh, so played running back and uh, linebacker. Um, had a pretty successful career uh, statistically at Drexel, uh, but we were always one of the smaller 11-man schools. Um, so record-wise, uh, we were competitive, but it was tough to uh, get out. Um, so had a good had a good career. Uh, played small college ball, NAI football at Avila University here in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, didn't do much with my college career. Uh, basically, my number one job was to piss off the first team defense and have the defensive coordinator uh, scream at me and uh, just smash my head into the defense. So a uh, handful of injuries. I kind of realized that the NFL career uh, wasn't going to happen. Um, so, you know, kind of left football and went to pursue my education degree at uh, UCM. Um, kind of did that and uh, graduated from there. Um, after that, I uh, actually went and played uh, real, real small semi-pro football, uh, which was actually eight-man football. Um, so I got some experience playing eight man there. And interestingly enough, my freshman year uh, of high school, Drexel had dropped down into eight man football in the 90s, late 90s, uh, to kind of save the program. So my freshman year, we were actually transitioning back to 11 man. So we played like a half and half schedule. Uh, so as a player myself, I had some eight man experience, uh, but play a little semi pro ball there. Uh, that ended with another concussion, and my wife pretty much said, yeah, that's it, and I agree. Uh, if I get hit in the head again, I don't know my lights are going to come back on. Uh, so uh, after that, I do the, the coaching thing, uh, graduate college looking for some kind of job, uh, not having much luck, and my wife's alma mater, which was uh, Miami, Missouri, was looking for a football coach at the end of July. And we were at a oh, wedding for a mutual friend and the athletic director for the school was there. And it's like, hey, do you wanna give this a try? And sure. So uh, real quickly got that head coaching job and, and we put the rubber to the road. And uh, the rest is, is kind of history. Did two years there at Miami. And then a teaching position came open at my alma mater, Drexel. And that was always one of my life goals was to uh, get back to Drexel and give to the Drexel kids like those teachers had given to me. So I jumped at that opportunity. About that time, uh, Miami, another real small school, uh, their enrollment was dipping. And it's like, hey, Coach Dean's going to Drexel. He's going to coach 11-man under uh, Coach Nate Daneman, real good guy. Uh, this would probably be a good opportunity just to keep that football program alive to go ahead and join with Drexel. So that was uh, 
the 2011 and went over to Drexel. Miami came with me. We played 11 man for uh, quite some time and I was 11 man assistant. And then uh, kind of like you said there, um, 2000, shoot, I'm losing my timeline, but, uh, uh, three years ago, anyways, yep. Drexel decided to go eight man. And that's when I became the head coach of, of Drexel. What, uh, what part of the state is Drexel, uh, in? Well, <laughs> if you're asking, uh, outside of Missouri eight man, uh, I would say we're really close to Kansas city. We're about an hour South of Kansas city. Okay. Uh, we sit actually half of our town is divided on the Kansas state line. Um, okay. So we're right on the border. If you ask Missouri eight man football, we are Southern. <laughs> right. Okay. And you know, I, I drive to two and a half hours South to play other teams and they call me Southern. I, I would say we're central part of the state. Okay. Probably. Okay. Um, so, uh, who are some of the guys you mentioned a couple names, um, you know, who are some of the guys that have helped you along your way and kind of helped you shape into the coach? You know, you, you said you had some playing days, so I'm sure there's some former coaches or teammates, you know, but who are some guys that helped you kind of turn into who you are as a man and as a coach? For sure. I have a theory that I tell kids all the time in, in my program, weight program and things like that. Uh, you want to be a fast kid, go find the fastest kid, get in his line, look at what he does, how he moves, things that come out of his mouth. You know, I got other guys, you want to get stronger, quit hanging out with the 90 pound girls and lifting like a 90 pound girl. And that's kind of the philosophy I subscribe to in my life. Here I am my first time being a head coach uh, and coaching eight man football. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So the first thing I did was I looked at Missouri eight-man football. I said, who's the best coach? And at that time, that was uh, Brian Messer at Mound City, uh, won three consecutive state titles. And I emailed Coach Messer, and I basically said, hey, can I be your best friend? You know, uh, Mound City's pretty far from Drexel, but I will drive up. Please let me buy you lunch. Let me pick your brain. Um, and Coach Messer has become a great friend and, and a mentor ever since. He kind of opened his door for me and told me how he was doing things, became successful. And I'm even though I could have technically been his competition uh, later on down the road, uh, he held nothing back. Um, some other coaches that have made an impact in my life, uh, Pee Wee coach, Paul Batchelder, uh, I was a pretty small kid, late developer, didn't play football till sixth grade. And uh, Coach Batchelder really put that love of football in my heart and, and made the game fun. Um, my junior high and high school coach was the same guy, Dennis Bolton, a uh, wonderful male mentor. Uh, one of the main things I learned from him is if you got a horse on your team, feed it. <laughs> I was his horse and uh, you kind of saw some of my film, that philosophy yeah. carries through with my horse. Now I don't try and overthink it. And uh, you asked about DB play uh, coach that didn't direct me uh, necessarily. He didn't coach me, but uh, coach Ivan Pearl was the defensive back coach at Avila university. And I remember running running back drills and looking over at his individual and just being jealous with the results and uh, he would take these guys you'd swear they couldn't play college football and he'd have them playing at an all-conference level and that that made me jealous as a running back I wish that I got 
that kind of technique and, and uh, coaching. And ever since then, I've kind of challenged myself to, to hang my hat on, on DBs and, and be that DB coach for my guys. Um, you know, I, I tell my assistant coaches all the time, you get to thinking about football. What, what is football? What's your definition of football? And I think each kid would describe it differently. The kids at Drexel would describe it differently than the kids at Mound City because that coaching piece is so impactful in defining that experience. They might, they might say similar rules and, and similar stories, but really what football is is going to be completely different in different locations. And just, man, that impact coaches can have is, is incredible. Absolutely. I, I really like that last statement there, where if you have them, to, you know, describe it. And I think a lot of it has to do with your experience, right? I mean, if you had had a poor experience in high school, then, you know, you probably wouldn't have gone on to college. You know, you have a poor experience in college. You don't want to continue that. And, and I think that's interesting because, um, you know, you kind of always wonder what goes on in other communities, you know, in their football programs and, you know, how they approach, um, you know, and, and by doing this, you know, I think you're my like 22nd interview. That's, that's kind of the main theme is about like creating an experience, you know, for these kids to really enjoy it and, and not necessarily just enjoy it, you know, for the four years, you know, from the time they're 14 to 18, you know, is, is to be an old guy like us and to look back fondly on, on our play, you know, and um, I, I just, I think that's so important is, you know, to keep it so, you know, keep it as an experience for all of us to enjoy, you know, as a coach, you don't, you know, I, if you're in it just to yell at kids and get them to do this and line up in a certain way, you know, you're not, you're not doing it right. Um, you know, but I, I really enjoy, I, that was definitely something I just wrote down there. You know, each kid has a different description and, and you talk about being jealous of, of a position coach. You know, I can, I can relate to that. You know what I mean? I, I can relate to you watch or even listening to some of these guys and talk about, you know, when they talk about their mentors mm. and things like that, you know, um, you know, throughout my experience, I necessarily wasn't that close with a lot of my coaches and things like that. Um, you know, and it's just kind of a, of a missing out feeling, you know, where you really yeah. wish you had that connection, you know, and I've had some good coaches and, and one of the guys I had on the first interview, he was the guy that recruited me to go to college and he and I have, have a great relationship, but he was only there for a year, you know, and, and actually, you know, probably the most influential for me was my uh, JV coach in high school. Um, you know, those were the two guys that's never been like the head coach or anything <laughs> yeah. like that, you know, so um, I, it's definitely all about that relationship and creating an experience, you know, so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, let's talk a little bit about Drexel, um, kind of maybe how big is it? Um, you know, what's the participation numbers look like? You know, how many guys are on your team? Uh, just kind of paint us a picture of what your program looks like in your community. Yeah, uh, Drexel's a, a pretty small uh, rural farming community. Um, we are, we are close to Kansas city, but, uh, kind of in 2003, we, you saw that recession and a lot of people that were moving South to get away from the suburbs, uh, kind of moved away from Drexel closer to the city. Um, and also, uh, kind of interestingly enough, when I drive to work every day, you see more and more of what would be small family farms, uh, getting tore down those old houses getting tore down and you're seeing bigger and bigger corn and uh, soybean fields. So those uh, acreages that would normally be reserved for a, a boy on your team has now been bought out by a large farming corporation. Um, so, so that's hurt the school's enrollment as, as well. 
you know, we're, we're pretty happy if, if we got around 20 guys uh, this last season. We went into the Missouri State playoffs with one of the smallest uh, physically, but also number-wise roster. Uh, I had 18 kids on my roster, but I dress uh, 15 to 16. Um, so we're on the smaller size. Uh, this summer, it's looking like maybe I'll have above 20 and I'm getting kind of excited, but not holding my breath. Uh, you know, the main, the main thing with Drexel and being an alumni myself, the one thing I ponder upon a lot is like, what does it mean to be a Drexel kid? And how is that different than say being a, a Winfield Mount Union kid? And uh, what makes, what's unique to being a Drexel kid and, and talking about experiences that experience. Um, it seems like Drexel typically produces these kids that are about my size. We're all about 5'8", we're small, we're skinny, wiry. Uh, we're good kids. You could give us your wallet in two hours. We give it to you back with the same amount of money. Uh, we're kind of, we're loyal. We're, we're hard workers. You know, a Drexel kid is never going to have the biggest stuff or the nicest stuff or the newest stuff, but we're going to try and make up for that and, and make it work. Uh, yep. So I try and really lean on those uh, kind of pillars and, and community the characteristics of the community uh, when I think about how our football team should, should act and behave. Yeah. I like that. Uh, what, it, what does it mean to be a Drexel kid or, you know, Winfield kid or, you know, insert school name, you know, and I think even if you went through your roster, you might find a different answer for each kid, you know, and in some there, somewhere in there lies the answer on, you know, what your kids see as their identity. I really like that. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, and the, the challenge from there, I think, you know, and you're trying to play 3D chess, if you will, mm -hmm. is can you develop an offensive and defensive identity that matches what your product you're naturally getting to work with as, as a coach? Uh, we don't get a choice of who our kids are, right. and certain offenses and defenses have personalities attached to them. So can you can you mirror that? Right. It, and. I think that's the big thing. You know, I had a guy on from Coon Rapids. They were a power run, line it up, and he just didn't have the kids. You know, he just didn't have the guys that could do that, and that wasn't their identity. It wasn't to just be maulers, and so they had to go to the spread. You know, it just comes in knowing your kids. Um, so let's talk about knowing your kids. You and I kind of started a conversation on the Telegram app about, um, you know, practice with limited numbers, you know, and we talked about getting a look, you know. So how is it, you know, you said you dressed – what, 15 to 16, 18 on your roster, you dress 15, 16 going into the playoffs, you know, so maybe you're, you're going eight on eight, you know, but eight of those guys are scout team guys for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so how is it, you know, you can play at the highest level in Missouri, you know, with only, you know, with less than 20 kids, you know, how do you, how do you get that to work? What's that look like? Well, and I won't sit here and lie to you, you know, uh, of course we're as good as our kids are and we got a great group in there right now a bunch of hard workers uh real good real highly coachable guys so of course that that always helps i can't uh take all the credit for that um but you know i we that's the thing you and me were really wrestling and initially that's why i reached out to you is how, how do you get a good look at practice it's so 
uh, frustrating uh, because, you know, your scout guys are out there. They're they're trying their best, uh, but they're often just physically outmatched, mentally outmatched, developmentally outmatched, um, experience outmatched. And uh, how how do you create an atmosphere, a good look to get you ready for the playoffs? And we've we've tried it a hundred different ways. We've gone half line. We've gone best on best. We've put every freaking coach we can on on scout team. And honestly, we're 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 still looking for that uh, secret ingredient and that right recipe. Uh, So most recently this this past season, uh, one thing I've kind of settled on is trying to treat more practice more like skill acquisition instead of getting a look. I've kind of uh, succumbed to the fact that I'm probably not going to get a look. I'm probably not going to get that reassurance of what it looks like till Friday night. And I got to be okay with that. So instead, I'm, I'm going to focus on building skills. And uh, the intensity is, is going to be less, but the intent is going to be higher. And uh, for the most part, yeah, just as, as I uh, I want to kind of interject with that and have a question, because as I was watching your film and you sent me the, the DB clip film that you did, I mean, those kids knew the route before they were coming. Um, so there's got to be a lot of film study. Then you supplement maybe some of the physical work with a lot of mental work, you know, as far as taking those kind of reps or, you know, how do because I was I mean, I was incredibly impressed. They were beating the guy to the post. I mean, maybe that's just route recognition, you know, right off the bat. But they knew exactly where to go right away. And I guess we can get into this later, but, you know, it kind of, we, you know, we're both kind of feed the cats guys, you know, and with only 16 kids, there's only so many reps you can do in individual work, you know, before your kids are burned. Um, you know, so how do you get a kid to defend the post without having to, you know, run six posts and defend six posts there in practice? Well, it, it gets, it gets real boring because I have other coaches ask me, how we've achieved the success we have. And, and my honest answer is simplicity. Um, each kid has a very limited skill set menu tree that they can learn from. Um, so we'll talk DBs a little bit later, but they have about six skills that I'm going to teach them. And that's it. When we teach, I so right now we're going through summer installs and I've had two defensive days. And I taught three of the skills one day, three of the skills the other day. So now from uh, freaking June till whenever we stop playing late November, these guys are going to uh, be taught these skills ad nauseum in hopes that they can master them. Um, I find that most high school kids, if you can get them to learn one skill really well, as a coach, you try and pick that skill. If the DB can do this, one skill if my D line can do this one skill, I think we can win some games. And I know as a coach, cause I'm not that old of a coach, but I've done it for some time. I'm going to be yelling at that kid about that skill uh, all the way from August to November. And my DBs, you know, one of my coaching points is hand in the pocket and, you know, they'll say it in their sleep or for example, our first day of defensive stuff uh, this summer, 
I was finishing some things up in the weight room and the guys are kind of out on the field doing a little pre-practice and some of the seniors and juniors had taken some of those new freshmen and you're hearing those coaching points hand in the pocket and, and some other things we look for. Uh, so we just try and ingrain a real limited uh, skill set. So like I said, that practice is for mastering that single skill um, as guys show mastery um, they get more skills or you can branch off but if, if you don't show mastery you're gonna you're gonna stay there um, I have a, a kind of a, a, a model if you will simplicity equals mastery mastery equals success success equals confidence and in football confidence equals what looks like aggression so we want things to be simple so our kids can get an understanding and master it and if they have mastery it will give them success in a game and the more successes they have they feel more confident the more mm -hmm. confident they feel they can play what we would call in football is aggressive um yeah so I, and I, and I get it, I get it as a coach and, and we wrestle with it all the time. Like you want to get all your knowledge in this kid's brain. You have a lot of football knowledge. You've watched a lot of film and I'm constantly reminding myself, I'm reminding my assistant coaches, slow down too much, you know, just work one skill today. Um, actually your podcast has inspired me. And what we've done for every position group is we have a main thing. And before we start every indie, we say, we go D-line, what's the main thing? And I say, be in gap, coach. And I say, DBs, what's the main thing? Be at the catch. And, and it's just that reminder, here's the one skill. DBs, if you can be at, be at the catch. Yep. I, I could care less what happens the rest of the time. You could be burnt, you could be toast, but if you can do the main thing. Um, so each position group, we I've tried to force even even a smaller scope of things mm -hmm. to focus on. Uh, it's tough, you know. Football's got a lot, and thens if this happens, right. um, and and we get in those weeds with the guys that can handle it, mm -hmm. and we try and simplify for the guys that can't. And on a Friday night, honestly. Uh, we're just hoping that they can play football and we've worked one skill enough where that muscle memory takes over and they don't have to think as hard. I like that. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And that's one thing that, um, that where I got that main thing was that book essentialism, the discipline of pursuit <laughs> yeah, of yeah. less from Greg McCohen. Um, if you're a reader, I, I mean, if you've read it, great uh, coaches, if you haven't read it, um, you know, it's not a football book or, a, you know, a coaching book, but I tell you what it is, it has kind of changed the way I look at things as a coach. Um, like you said, as a coach, we we have that perception that we have a lot of knowledge, you know. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to talk for you, right? But we have this perception that we have a lot of knowledge. No, I like that. And uh, we want to pass it along to the kid. Well, sometimes you get paralysis by analysis, you know. Well, you got to do this with your feet and this with your hands and your eyes should be here and your hips should be doing this. When all actuality, what we should say is just what you said, be at the catch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to let you self-organize, get your body to figure out itself on its own, but you get to the catch, right? And once you kind of get that figured out, hey, here's some footwork that might help you get to the catch, right? Yes. Get there a half step sooner, you yes. know, but this, the main thing, 
here's, you know, get to the catch. You got to get there however you can. I can help you get there faster. But you, you know, once you recognize, I like, I really, really like that. Just get the phrase, you know, whatever that phrase is and whatever your main thing is. And then listen, I can help you get there. Here's one, one tip this week. Here's another tip. You know, once you figured out that other tip. Yeah, but that was, I, I, that's good stuff. I knew well, I was going to learn a lot today after talking to you on uh, via text <laughs> message. I knew today was going to be a good day. We, we use that. We use that practice time to, to, and, and getting the kids to understand this is our main thing, but this is why it's our main thing. Yeah. Well. That's a big thing right there. You know, so for a receiver to be at a catch and inherently as a human, the further I get away from you, coach, the easier it is to catch a football. The closer I get to you, and I could not even be guarding you. I could be looking the other way. The harder it is to catch. So we we use that practice time to explain the why, yeah. and then some of the hows. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. Now we do have. Uh, so we've adopted a Tony Holler feed the cats. Try to do a low high model in practice. So the majority of our practice is low, explaining, walking through, talking nuts and bolts, and we have a few. Uh, we call them green sessions, life for five, five plays, uh, where we try to diagnose uh, skill acquisition. So I, I just spent 45 minutes in various indies, inside run fit type things. Now it's live. So as a coach, I get to sit back and, and look at those skills and see your level of understanding and, and use of them, understand techniques and concepts. And, and we use games for the same purpose as well, right. where, you know, we just like every other coach, we grade it out. Um, but I'm real big. Tony says, uh, don't use individual time to keep installing more. Use it as right. a problem solving area. Um, so anytime we go to Indy, it always directs back to where we've gone wrong with our main thing for that position group and working on correcting that and, and changing that. Um, it gets tough, though, too, because you're, you're always trying to differentiate uh, instruction because different guys are at different spots in their understanding and, and knowledge and, and ability to grasp the technique. Um, I like to play and tinker a lot, too. So. Uh, being a DB coach, everybody always asks, well, how far off do you play your DBs? And I say, well, it depends on the guy. Right. I've had some guys that like to play it real close. I have some guys that like to play it real far away. Some guys that like to play in the middle. So I use that practice time to play with that a little bit. And like you said, we're trying to get them to the catch. So one of those tools we can use is put you at a different alignment. And I don't care you're playing up close or you're playing far away. <laughs> Did the guy catch the ball or not? That's all I care about. You could start on the sideline. <laughs> right, right. You, I mean, and it, it's also what, what makes a kid comfortable. Like you said, you know, it gives them the confidence, you know, and, and, and they have success, you know. Oh, it worked great being six yards off, right, because I'm able to be there. Now that kid knows, like, this is where I'm confident being six yards off. And obviously, you know, down in distance and those kind of things will dictate yes. things. But, um, you know, that's where that kid takes ownership of it. Yeah, I, I like that. Let's get uh, – I mean, let's kind of get into just your defense in general, right? You've been, um, the last three years, you've been extremely dominant, um, you know, as you've taken over at a head coach. I think you shared um, Drexel was like one and nine or something um, the year before you became the head coach. Um, so what what flipped the switch, um, you know, defensively, you know, do you have a mantra? You know, we had Coach Fuller on here. He talked about, you know, he wants his, his some of his players to be animals, you know, and predators, 
Um, you know, what's what's kind of your your that you hang your hat defensively on? Go ahead and share that if you would. Yeah, um, like you said, uh, previous to Drexel going eight man or last year of 11 man, we won one game. Uh, we had 13 guys on the sideline and uh, I knew we were we were changing over to eight man and you kind of get you get looking around and, and you see the high scores. And once again, I'm kind of looking at my kids and we don't got a lot of guys. We're not very big. Uh, we're kind of wiry. Uh, we're athletic, though, and, and we're tough and, and uh, we got heart. Um, so where can we carve out an area in, in eight man football that's different when people are turning right? We're turning left. And, and one of those areas is defense. You know, what if we're a little bit strange? What if we what if we hang our hats on on defense? And uh, part of that was was by necessity, uh, because when I got that job at Miami, I had uh, two days to find an assistant coach. And I called up my buddy who was living in Florida and is like, hey, let's make this happen. He said, well, only if I can call the offense. <laughs> and it's like I've never called a defense. I played running back in college. I kind of figured that I would call the offense, but I need you. So come on. Right. So, you know, uh, when the head coach has a control over an area, obviously that area gets emphasized as Tony Haller says, what's measured grows. Right. Um, and I'm always a competitive guy. So I'm competing with my buddy calling the offense and uh, we're looking at various statistics, tackles for losses, sacks, interceptions, uh, total points scored, uh, stopping teams on third and fourth down. Um, and, and we're constantly talking about those. The guys know that they're very near and dear to my heart and I'm a competitive person. And, you know, if a team scores a, a touchdown, it, it hurts us all a little bit on the inside. That doesn't feel good. Right. Um, so I, I would say, you know, a lot of, a lot of this is tough to say, but I would say a good amount of eight man teams uh, just kind of turn over the defense, if you will, so they can get back to offense where we we're competitive. I I'd say that's the best way to put it. We compete on defense. Um, I, I look at our D line and I say, Hey, this guy's going to go for a sack. What are you going to do about it? It's a race to the quarterback. Let's go. Let's go compete. Uh, I, hey, we only got six guys to this tackle. What was going on with you here? You know, we, we mm -hmm. celebrate that. We recognize that. We, we freaking compete. You know, our opponents would say we're, we're very aggressive. Uh, we like to apply a lot of pressure immediately as soon as we can. I like that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit, um, you know, about your like maybe padded practices. Do you are you ever full? Are you shell sometimes? You know, what's that kind of look like Monday through Thursday? What's the equipment look like? I mean, because your defense, I mean, they're extremely aggressive, right? You tackle well, um, you know, and so a lot of times it comes, well, we got to tackle better. We got to wear full pads, you know, kind of. So explain to us a little bit what you what you do there just on the equipment look or equipment wise. Yeah. And, and, uh, for, for the guys that aren't, I'm a total feed the cats, uh, guy. Um, Tony Haller has totally influenced how I, I run a practice and, uh, essentially what that means for a football coach is rest is king. 
and keeping stress off the guys' king. Um, now, I totally, I started as a football coach, totally uh, traditional opposite. In fact, I prided myself in the ability to kind of physically test my guys and, and psychologically get in their minds and push them right to the point and, and do a bunch of conditioning. And uh, we would wear pads every day and we would, we would kill each other. And, and, and I had good success with that, um, but I had always been one game short. I've made it to the state semifinals four times in a row and lost by a, a touchdown a couple times and uh, some more some other times. And we were just kind of looking for how, how are we going to get that edge? How are we going to be different? Uh, Drexel's really small. We can't win the physicality match. My guys can't come bear wrestle with your guys. I saw your quarterback on film, coach. He would be, he would look like king of the Oompa Loompas if he came to Drexel. You know, so we, we can't hang our hat on uh, wrestling fist fighting guys. So right. what we're going to hang our hat on is trying to be smart technique wise, uh, trying to be athletic, trying to be quick um, and, and, you know, you can look, well, they're, they're not physical. That's a knock we get all the time. We're not physical. And uh, if you ask me and you ask Tony Haller, I think high performance is very tough, very physical. Go run a 40 when you at, at full speed, when you don't think you can, when you're feeling right. a bit sick, you didn't get good enough sleep. Uh, go try and run a PR of 40. Uh, so I, I think that's, uh, Anyways, where I'm where I'm trying to go with that is uh, we don't we don't go full pads a whole lot. Uh, my coach, I moved over to the offense. My defensive coach asked that we do it once a week. Um, so the way we break practice up is kind of uh, your Mondays, your walkthrough, your Thursdays, your walkthrough. So you know your big days are uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we do one day offense one day defense. Um, so on our offensive days, we're just, we're just uppers. We're just shells. Uh, we keep them off the ground. We'll, we'll pop just a little bit on our defensive days. Uh, when coach really begs, we'll put full pads on. Um, and once again, we're just after a bunch of skill uh, acquisition. We do have some high periods in, in practice. So I have about two sessions there. They're about five minutes each. So about 10 pretty lively plays. And that's when we'll get after it. We'll, we'll pop a little bit. Uh, but these last two, three years, I've really erred towards uh, staying off our guys. And, and thankfully, I, I think that allowed us to stay healthier uh, in our playoff run this most recent year. Do you do um, tackling drills every day? Obviously you don't go to the ground, but you do some type of, you know, maybe you work the approach or, you know, the pursuit, those kind of things. I assume you do something like that every day. So uh, we, of course, uh, tackling is blended in, you know, so on an offensive day, if you're not on the first team, uh, you're working wrap and fit, say on right. scout team and stuff like that. But we only do traditional tackling drills once a week on the defensive day where we have time allotted for that. Um, however, going back to skill acquisition, it, it is my strong belief that tackling is, is a skill that is, is learned. Um, so what I believe with that is I want to give the guys uh, a bunch of different 
uh, scenarios because you find yourself tackling in different angles, different heights uh, with a blocker on me, with a blocker off me, with a slower guy, with a fast guy, bigger, smaller, um, di tackling different parts of the body. Um, so we do a lot of walk and talk and a lot of fit up um, just as much as I'm coaching up a DB skill that receiver catches the ball and we're going to fit up on it. And if I don't like the fit up, we'll talk about why and, and a more appropriate way uh, to fit up. So it's, it's just a lot of fitting up. It's a lot of stop and talk. It's a lot of uh, saying, like you said, this might be a better way to approach it um, is how we handle tackling. And, uh, you know, we, we just, we got it done because we, we worked on it a lot. We looked at that skill and magnified it a lot. We we looked at flaws in in technique and approach and in game film. And this is why you miss the tackle. Uh, check out your pad height or check out your uh, leverage or your angle of approach. And in individual or in this tackling uh, circuit here that we're going to do, we're not going to add a new skill. You know, eighty percent of my guys are struggling with the leverage the approach so what are we going to work this week in tackling circuit that's it approach perfect i i, I really like that um you know we kind of go back and forth with that so i gotta ask then are you a hawk tackle uh rugby tackle uh traditional tackle how do you approach tackling i once heard it said for boxers the punch that knocks you out is the one you can't see so when I see it and when my eyes are and see that punch, I brace, I, I tighten my jaw and I brace. And we know that knockout button is the corner of your jaw. So for me, I want to head up, head out of the tackle. I don't want head across. I don't want head down uh, because then I can't see it. I can't brace for impact. So my number one thing, we keep head up and out of tackle. Okay, now from there, we're going to practice all different types of tackles, right? Uh, a rugby or a gator roll, if you will, uh, just depends on the situation you find yourself in. Sometimes it's better to uh, wrap up and run your feet. Sometimes it's just best to grab a leg and, and hang on. Right. And, uh, you know, we work uh, approach, we work leverage. But as the kid is, is finishing the tackle as a coach, I'm trying to learn their preference as well, too. And different kids like to tackle different ways. Um, so how can I kind of see where they're at and build from there instead of trying everybody's robots? We all tackle the same way. Right. I don't have time for that. I don't have enough coaches for that. I'm going to meet the kid where they are and try and prove uh, where they are and build from there. I like that. Coach, what do you, what do you teach? Uh, well, um, my degree is actually in art. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm an art teacher by nature. Uh, but you know, due to the fact lifted weights, uh, all my life played football, uh, I've spent as much as much time and, uh, I'm certified in PE as well. So uh, currently I teach uh, strength training at, at Drexel. I've done about both equally. 
Yeah. I, I mean, just from listening to talk about skill acquisition and mastery and those kind of things, I figured you were in some type of performing class, like, you know, <laughs> whether it was PE, you know, I, I would have never guessed art. Um, I mean, I'm a Spanish teacher. Most people don't believe that either. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I just, by listening to you talk about that, I knew you had to be in one of those, those kind of classes there. So I appreciate that. And, and I like that meet the kid where they are, um, you know, cause we've got a group of kids that uh, I don't know if you have like tackle youth football, um, but a lot of them, they grew up, uh, their dads were hard-nosed football players, you yeah. know, and they were taught to tackle with their head across. Um, I don't necessarily love it because like what you said, you know, I think, I mean, I myself, I was a quarterback through and through. I did not love to tackle. Um, I mean, I would do it, but I, I didn't love it because of that head across thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of one of those things we tell the kid, we just teach head, the get your head out of the tackle. Yes. If you're comfortable yes. with your head across, yes. go ahead. If you're comfortable, you know, with it behind, okay, you know, use your leverage. You know, the big thing for us is have the same foot and your shoulder forward, right? Yes, Whatever shoulders yeah. making contact, have that foot in the ground. Um, you know, and so I really like that. Uh, meet meet them where they are. You know, are they a roll tackler? Are they, you know, a drive for five? You know, kind of kid. Are they a hold on for dear life and let their teammate clean it up kind of guy, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. wherever it you is, gotta, you got to yeah. have that kid. It takes all kinds, right? That's why yeah, we get exactly. eight of them. Well, um, not just, not just in tackling either, but you know, say you're, you're quarterback. Um, right. I'm not quarterback guru. I don't know, have enough hours with my quarterback to change his form. So what throws does he make? Well, okay. Well, that's the routes we're going to run. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Well, I don't think, I mean, there's not enough, by the time we get them in high school, we can't change their, their throwing mechanics. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's not going to happen unless they go to some guy and they work on it three days a week. You yeah. know I mean? And we <laughs> we don't have those in rural Iowa. So, I, you know, um, so let's talk, like I, uh, I said, the intro, you know, um, you had two kids here in the last three years have been elite defensive backs. I mean, you, you, we talked about their numbers, that one kid, what do you have 15 interceptions in the last two, in two years? Um, the other kid's looking to have another, you know, nice season if he's coming back, um, you know, and you, you shared your presentations and, and some film with me. Um, and you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, but, but but let's talk a little bit about what that defensive period looks like for your, your defensive. How long is it? Um, you know, are you running a lot of one-on-ones? Is it more, all right, this drill, we're going to start at the top of the break and you got to drive on, it's an out route or a slant, um, or you're in the guy's back pocket, back pocket, excuse me, the O, the O crap drill, you know, and work on <laughs> yeah. their, their, uh, you know, breaking up the hands, but um I guess the, the drill, as I was looking at that, the drill I'd really like you to highlight is just that hand in the pocket drill. Okay. Um, if you could, you could just kind of highlight that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's like proprietary because of Glazier and all that, but like, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's your I don't drill, know. They, so... they never told me. <laughs> okay. Um, and I stole it from a Saban anyhow. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, talk a little bit about what your indie looks like. Um, and then kind of, if you would explain that um, hand in the pocket drill a little bit. For sure. Uh, just to preface, uh, we primarily play uh, man coverage, um, and I would call it off man, uh, but once again, we have DBs aligned at various depths, uh, but we're pretty strictly man coverage. Uh, about 95% of the time, I might throw in a single high uh, in a prevent look or a long third down, uh, but we, we primarily play man coverage. So uh, what, what that means for us, what our main thing is, is be at the catch point. 
And what we're talking about is uh, proximity to the receiver. <laughs> right. it's, it's all, everything I teach is trying to get my guys close to the receiver at all times of the catch. Um, being a man corner is a very uh, gambler risky. <laughs> I mean, as mm -hmm. a coach, there's times on the sideline, my butt cheeks are puckered, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It, and, and it's a, it's, you got to have a short memory as a DB, of course. Um, but we're trying to get our guys as close to receiver as possible at all times of the catch, because it makes the catch harder. Also though, when my court, when the quarterback looks over at you coach, and if I'm guarding you and I'm close to you, he's going to go, Oh, that guy's probably covered. The further away I am from you, uh, the more the quarterback's going to go, okay, he looks open. Right. Um, so everything we do, all our coaching points are about proximity, getting close. I will state, though, we are not a jam or a press team. We do not do that. So the trick is um, when the receiver wants me close, I want to be far. And when he wants me far, I want to be close. We're, we're doing the opposite of what the receiver wants. So we, we align with depth because that receiver first presses vertically on his uh, vertical stem. At that point, the receiver's trying to close the distance. So at that point, we don't want to help him with that. So we'll, we'll backpedal against it, right? Uh, we don't want to help him do his job. At some point, that receiver, unless he's running a fade or a vert, is going to break off that vertical press. And that's when he's trying to create distance. And that's when we're trying to close it. So once again, we're, we're trying to close that distance. We're trying to uh, get in close proximity to the receiver. So some of my coaching points, and these are, I kind of uh, alluded to them earlier. We got about six coaching points uh, for our guys that we try and teach them and, and work on ad nauseum. One thing I find, in, especially in man coverage, is eye discipline is very important to us. Uh, we find our eyes floating a lot to the backfield, wondering what the play is. And since we're man coverage, we want our eyes typically on our receiver. Um, so we're working, we're always checking eyes. Um, our hips are very important to us. Uh, we try and stay square to the receiver as long as possible. Uh, because I find once I open my hip, it kind of sets me in a certain direction. And oftentimes, if I open my hip wrong, it's hard to close the distance and it creates more space. So we do a lot of situations. When should you open your hip? Uh, when should you stay square? Uh, challenging them to stay square as long as possible. Ideally, we only open our hip when the receiver's running a vertical route and he pushes it open like a turnstile. Otherwise, we don't want to open our hip on any other route, a slant, a post, a corner, or a hitch. We want to try and stay square on it. Of course, different DBs uh, fight me on that, and uh, they like to open their hip. And, you know, once again, we kind of look at it, and, well, you're about a step late to the pass. Uh, this is kind of why. Or at the top of your break, your feet did this, made you slip a little bit. Um, so once we, once we save that hip, we're going to start breaking on the route. We're going to close the distance. 
so be at the catch point. This is one of the things that my uh, DBs hear me yell the most, close the distance, close the distance, close the distance. So, you know, on a, on a shorter route, a route that isn't running vertically, we're going to sprint to it. We're going to beat the pace of the receiver. You'll see DBs a lot match the pace at the receiver. At that point, we want to be faster, accelerate. Um, so we work breaking on those routes. And then we work on if he runs a vertical route, I'm going to uh, close the distance with my body, get close to him. Part of closing that distance, though, is putting our hand in the pocket. Um, so this is something I stole from uh, Nick Saban. So when I say hand in the pocket, uh, we like a hand that is low uh, because a hand that is high up near the receiver's shoulders chest will typically get called for defensive pass interference. A lower hand is out of that kind of that catch window. Um, we like a hand that uh, hangs limply and that is not extended out at a 45. Uh, or a 90, which creates distance from my receiver. So we like a loose hand. We like the back of the hand uh, on the receiver because the front of the hand will grab cloth. And if the official sees a cloth pull, they might throw it. Um, so we uh, try and get a comfort level putting that hand on the receiver. So one of those reasons is to close the distance on them. But the other reason is to be able to feel the receiver. Um, I may not always have eyes on him, but I can feel his tempo. I can feel his breaks. I can feel the change of his body language. Um, and, and it's almost like a leash. It like ties me to him, uh, you know? So I'll have receivers way away from the catch point. They'll be sprinting to the receiver. Or DB is sprinting to receive. They got their hand out trying to get hand in the pocket. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's the hand in the pocket piece. We're always, I always want hands on, but I'm not pushy shovey because I don't want to create separation, more of a sponge than say a hammer. Um, and if you're running a vertical route, uh, we will open that hip, we'll put hand in the pocket and we'll lean into the route a little bit, once again, closing that distance. And these are about the, the six skills we work ad nauseum. And one thing I love about these six skills, though, is one drill, we can work all of them. Right. We can work all of them. We're working these six uh, skills constantly. Now, if we're having uh, particular trouble for one on film or on our live sessions at practice, I'm seeing, man, we're just having so much trouble breaking on routes. That next defensive back indie will just work that skill. Um, but inside of that, once again, we're still working the other six and, uh, different guys are good at different parts of that. So I, I had a, a DB, uh, recently he loved being close. So we put him in what I would call a, a press technique, not a jam technique. He was just pressed up on the guy and he loved to be close. And, uh, my, my ACE, my number one, this, uh, year that you're talking about, he likes to play off. Um, he doesn't necessarily like to be close till the last second. Um, so we're, we're playing, we're learning, we're learning what part of those uh, six skills they do well and trying to put them in situations. I've heard it say you're either a, a breakfast DB or a dinner DB. You're either winning at the beginning of the route or you're winning at the end of the route. So I try and, you know, break my DBs up into those uh, categories and that kind of gives me an idea of where to start with them. 
Uh, but just like anything else, uh, what, what measures grows. Right. And, you know, I saw coach Pearl coaching the hell out of his DBs and got jealous. And when, when our guys are on the practice field, I want them to be jealous of the DBs. And, and we have, uh, we have hashtags, no fly zone. Right. I like it. And, and we challenge them. Hey, you know, this team threw six touchdowns uh, against their last opponent, or they had a uh, 250 yards throwing, you know, let's, uh-huh. let's, uh, let's bring it on. Um, but also too, you know, as a coach, we're, we're always playing that, that chess match. And uh, I like man coverage because I like to play matchups. I like to play body types and, and physical uh, skill trees uh, types, you know, uh, my short, quick receiver or DB is going to have troubles against a tall, lanky receiver. Right. Uh, so maybe I have a tall, lanky DB that would be better. Or, you know, my tall, lanky uh, DB is really good at covering vertical routes. So which one of their receivers runs the most uh, vertical routes? Um, so I can put them in a position, meet them where they're at, and right. help them be successful on a Friday night. I like that. There, we get, we circle back to that meet them where they're at again. I mean, it's, I mean, as a teacher, I mean, we all know that, you know, and I deal with that and all that stuff. I mean, as a, as a Spanish teacher and, and uh, that's a huge thing. And, and I think it, you're just allowing your kids that confidence. We circle back to that, that equation you had earlier about, you know, how confidence allows them to look like a, they're aggressive, you know, well, they, they feel good about what they're doing. Um, and they're going to play at a fast level, you know, and, and you can't substitute, can't substitute that. Um, we're going to switch gears here a little bit towards special teams. Uh, you had a young man set the Missouri state record for kickoff returns of six last year. And he also had seven punt returns for touchdowns. Um, how do you, you don't have to get into the X's and O's of it or whatever, but you know, how do you approach special teams and why in the world are people in your schedule kicking to this kid? I listened to a guy, he's been coached for, you know, a long time at at Turkey Valley here in Iowa. And he's like, why you would ever punt to a kid? It doesn't make any sense because teams always put their best athlete back there. So why, why are we punting to them? But obviously, you know, they haven't figured that out down in Missouri or something yet. And uh, we just kind of explain about how you approach special teams, maybe your personnel too, and what it looks like during the week. Well, you know, and it, it circles back to our defense. We had a pretty stout uh, defense, and a lot of times opposing teams, special teams, didn't have a choice but to kick it away uh, just to try and regain field advantage or uh, f- flip the field advantage. Um, so sometimes they, <laughs> without, without a better option, uh, they, would, they would have to kick it to them. Um, you know, and once again, we were just blessed with, with this kid. Um, I kind of feel like an idiot that I didn't realize it sooner in his career. Uh, but, you know, we had another guy back there that, that did a few good things. Uh, this year was, was special. Um, the main thing for us is uh, we, we just, we, we emphasize it every, every week. I, and it pains me. It pains me. I want to do other things. We, we schedule special teams practice in and um we we work our 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 kicks on um on our offensive day so we got our kickoff kick return we work our punts on defensive days punt punt return uh we'll work our field goal on mondays and we'll work like our hands and onsides on on fridays uh but that chunk of time is is pretty significant and um 
I, I challenge our coaches to coach that up just as hard as anything yep. else. You know, I will, I will come unglued on a coach if I'm working with the onside team and he's working hands opposite of me and I'm coaching my tail off and I look over there and he's on the sideline and is come on coach, let's get out here. Let's, let's coach him up. Um, so once again, just limited, limited skill set. you know, uh, in the past, our kick return blocking, we had uh, counters and crosses and counting and, it's like this week we're going to cross it. This week we're going to counter it. It's like, nope, we're just, we're going to go to one thing and we're going to do that one thing really well. This is our blocking scheme. And we feel like if we can block it this way or uh, we can kick it this way or punt it this way, that's what's going to lead us success. If we can't, we're going to have a long night and that, that team's better than us. Um, but it, it just skill acquisition, measuring that skill, uh, showing the kids uh, the importance of it, measuring it, you know, as our kid was approaching the state record, uh, we let them know the importance of that. And we right. would write it up on the board and we would uh, print out the record book and, and show them how close we were. And they knew that special teams were important to coach. Yeah. And, and, you know, I go back and forth here, you know, with in, in 11 man, I think, you know, special teams, they truly are a third of the game. Yeah. You know, and in eight man, I, I just, I struggle with it, you <laughs> know, tough, because we man. play on an 80 yard field. Yeah. And so a lot of times, almost every team we play has a kicker that can boot it through the end zone. Right. So kickoff yeah. is almost non-existent Yeah. and PAT field goal, that edge is so close. Yes. That's, that's almost tough. non-existent. <laughs> right. So we, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, how many guys have you talked to? They go for it on fourth down almost all the time, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so it's just one of, you know, there goes, you know, so there goes your punt, punt return. And so it's almost like you don't spend <laughs> enough time on it. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you come down to that big game, what's going to be the the thing you look back on after a big game, you know, we, we fumbled a kickoff or, you know, something like that. So I, it's, I always go back and forth on it. I need to I get it. I get it, man. Yeah. I get it. We, we talked to coach Bishop, you know, and he talked about, um, Never you know, how they, they, they coach plays, you know, on onside kicks, you know, they got different yeah, onside yeah, yeah. kicks called, and I shared that film with you and I don't know how we won it, but we gave up five onside kicks. Right. I mean, we, we tried our darndest to lose that son of a gun and uh, <laughs> thankfully we held on, but I, that's, I got still get nightmares about that, but all right, coach. So we've approached about an hour here. I just kind of want to, we're going to kind of start wrapping it up. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but you know, what's for your football program, just Drexel football, what is the main thing? And then how do you keep that the main thing throughout the season and off season? Yeah. We- we touched uh, upon it earlier, just the impact a, a coach and football can have on a kid. Um, so I try really hard to keep character building at, at the top of our program. I get lost all the time. I want to start talking about other opponents and what the media says about us. Um, but we, we really try to keep uh, character building as the central head of our program. So we're the Drexel Bobcats. So our character uh, building program is be a cat, C-A-T, be a class act, have a great attitude and have total effort. Um, So each day of the week, uh, Mondays, we talk about being a class act. So we start, it's in the practice script, start practice talking about being a class act. What's that mean in the classroom? What's that mean in the field? And then we also loop back to it at the end of practice 
And at that point, I may talk about it as a head coach or the assistant coach may talk about it when they have a player. Um, you know, on Tuesdays, we talk about attitude and what that looks like. Times I've had a bad attitude. Uh, what's a good attitude? Being coachable practice, right? Not hanging your head. Um, then we go T, uh, total effort on Wednesdays. And then uh, Thursdays, we got that extra day. Uh, for me, that's our love day. Um, so on that day, I try and uh, give the guys positive uh, male role model attention and affirmation. Um, you know, it's kind of a brutal day, but we have a day where uh, the three coaches split out on the field and you tell the players, uh, pick a coach and you're going to go to that coach one-on-one -on -one and he's going to tell you something that he loves about you or that he really enjoys about you. And it's a kind of an intimate moment, you know, with that player. Um, and sometimes we do a, a high five or a fist bump day, maybe a hug day. Uh, sometimes our love days are, uh, we show it through, uh, you know, hey, we got you some Gatorades in the locker room. Um, so we, we try to, I, I try to keep that character building at the forefront, um, build, build better men give them a positive experience and also remind myself why uh, we really do this thing. Yeah. I think uh, that Thursday, that's a, that's a really in, in interesting day, right? How, how many of us guys, we say, you know, there's no, there's no <laughs> room for love in football. Well, um, I, I challenged the guys uh, one day. I said, this week we're going to tell our dads, we love them. Right. And me and my dad don't talk that way, you know? Right. Uh, so we, uh, me and my dad went up to Chiefs minicamp, right? And I, I challenged the guys to, to say it to their dads, you know? And the whole ride and the whole minicamp, man, I was just, I was just nervous because I know, I know my dad loves me and he knows I love him, but we just, we just don't say it, you know? Right. And then it was in the lump in the back of my throat all day. And finally, when we got home, as the car pulled in the driveway, you know, I said it. <laughs> <You're right>. yeah, <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> I get, yeah, I get that. That's and and, uh, and something else you said there. I think that was really uh, important was just be a positive male role model. Um, you know, families are changing all over the, you know, all over the place and everything. And sometimes we might be the only positive male they see um, through the week. And I think that's super important, even if it's just a fist bump. Yeah. Um, you know, I started coaching softball this summer, um, and that's that's a big deal to be a a man even in in a high school girl's life that just says, you know what, I'm proud of you you know, and to watch how kids react to not, Hey, good job. Say you're proud of your kids to their face and see how they react. And um, it's way different. You know, they don't even know how to respond to it in a, in a positive way. Well, even from the eyes of like a freshman scout team guy in his right. eyes, you've chewed his butt all week, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm coaching them up because I care about them, but in his eyes, you know, coach thinks I'm no good. Um, so at least there's one time a week right. there where right. uh, you, you try and show them that you do appreciate them. Well, you might have a chance to say, listen, I'm coaching your tail, you know, I'm coaching you up because I, I, I expect things out of you. Cause you know, you've got the, you get the ability to be the guy that's on the other side of that here in a couple of years, you know, perfect. Well, um, coach, how can other coaches continue this conversation? If they got any, uh, questions on db play or you know your juggernaut offense i might have you on again and we might talk offense um you know we didn't really get to that but um you know how can they get a hold of you and, and continue any talks if they have a chance 
Well, my offense is easy. Just hand it to Jacob Coffee. Right, so. give it to your dude. <laughs> give it to yeah. your dude. Um, we got that one. We got to uh, give it to our guy right, yeah. give it to our guy left, or snap it to him and see what he can do. Give it to your Yeti. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, every everything I've learned as a coach is because some other coach has uh, gave that information to me through a podcast or, or sitting down. And as a coach, I try and do a really good job of – uh, continuing that that cycle. Uh, that's one thing I love about the eight-man game, particularly in Missouri, is the coaches are, are, are a good group of guys. They're all working their tails off, and they'll, they'll it's tough. You're competitive, but they'll talk X's and, and O's with you. So I, I would encourage anybody that would want to reach out to me to further the conversation. Uh, I welcome that, and, and I will respond a few different ways. My school email is uh, P Dean D E A N at Drexel D R E X E L Bobcats.net. Uh, so I'll answer those. Uh, I am on Twitter at Coach Phil Dean P H I L D E A N. Um, I'm also on the uh, Telegram app, Eight Man Football, uh, Phil Dean on there. And then uh, as well, we've kind of mentioned it a few times. Uh, I've done some uh, presentations for uh, Glacier and I have two different uh, types of presentations I've done for Glacier. I just have a, a straight presentation uh, like the one I sent you coach, uh, just yep. some Google slides, film attached. Uh, but I also did a film presentation uh, for Glacier and that's located in Glacier uh, Drive. So during COVID lockdown, they brought me in and essentially it's the same presentation I shared with you, uh, okay. but I'm there in the room uh, talking through things. Um, so you could listen to me more and, and watch that video on if your uh, staff purchase a, a Glacier uh, pass, you have access to that Glacier drive as well, or I'll send you the presentations for free and you don't got to listen to me. Hey, there you go. Right. I appreciate it. Coach, I tell you what, this has been a fantastic hour. Um, you know, I'm glad you reached out to me last week on uh, on the Telegram app. Um, you know, I look forward to staying in touch with you. And and uh, like I said, we might get you back on to talk a little offense or just even talk defense maybe through the season. Um, you know, but thank you so much for taking, you know, your time um, with us. And I know I've, I've got like four pages of notes here that I got to go back through and, and, and decipher here. So thank you so much. And we appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're the real MVP for hosting this thing, man. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, Coach, have a good one. That's it for this episode of the Be Great 8-Man Football Coaches Podcast. Hopefully you got at least 1% better from listening to this episode. Please share the podcast and leave a review if you enjoyed the content and learned something from it. You can follow us on Twitter at BEGR8FCP. That's at BeGreatFCP. Or send us an email at begreatfcp at gmail.com. That's B-E-G-R-8-F-C-P, the number eight on both of those. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing and to be great.